Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Good morning, and welcome to Way Too Early, the show that entirely too often uses the doggy paddle. I'm Jonathan Lemire on this Thursday, July 29th. Let's start with the news. Folks, they've got a deal. Senators celebrated yesterday after finally coming to an agreement on a $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill. The breakthrough came after weeks of disagreements over sticking points, such as public transit funding and how to pay for it. Within hours of announcing the deal, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer moved to hold a procedural vote exactly one week after the previous vote failed. It passed with every Democrat and 17 Republicans, including Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, signing on. Despite the popularity of it and the need for it, Washington hasn't been able to get it done. This time, uh, we're going to get it done. It's a matter of building a relationship and having trust. I trust each one of them with my political life. I really do. Because I know in it, we want the same thing, what's best for our country. This group of senators is proposing to the Olympic Committee that the next new Olympic sport be closing a bipartisan infrastructure deal. <laughs> and I think tonight we, um, what's it called? Stuck the landing? Yes. One step closer. One step closer to sticking the landing. I'm not entirely sure that joke worked. Still, the deal still faces several obstacles to becoming law and needs to clear final votes in the closely divided Senate and House. President Biden celebrated the vote in a statement that reads in part, quote, this deal signals to the world that our democracy can function, deliver and do big things. But not everyone's happy about the Senate coming to an agreement on infrastructure. Former President Donald Trump has repeatedly denounced the bipartisan effort as a deal grew closer. During his tenure in office, he was unable to finalize an infrastructure deal, and Infrastructure Week became a running joke on this show and others. In a statement released the same day senators announced they had finished the deal, Trump targeted one of the lawmakers working on it, Mitt Romney of Utah, calling him a super rhino. He went on to say the deal was, quote, a loser for the USA, a terrible deal, and makes the Republicans look weak, foolish, and dumb. It shouldn't be done. It sets an easy glide path for Dems to then get beyond what anyone thought was possible in future legislation. Meanwhile, Senator Kirsten Sinema says she does not currently support the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill that Democrats are trying to pass on a party-line basis. That second package is meant to fulfill the Biden administration's proposals that were left out of that bipartisan infrastructure deal, the so-called human infrastructure, if you will. The Democratic senator from Arizona says she will vote to move the legislation forward, writing in a statement, quote, I have also made clear that while I will support beginning this process, I do not support a bill that costs $3.5 trillion. All Senate Democrats would have to vote for the budget reconciliation bill for it to pass in the 50-50 chamber. Joining us now, national political correspondent for Politico, Meredith McGraw. Meredith, good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. So we just had a lot of celebration, some tortured analogies about the Olympics. What happens now for the next steps in this much ballyhooed infrastructure deal, which finally seems like it's on the verge of happening? 
Well, right now, President Biden is a lot closer to reaching the kind of big, sweeping, bipartisan victory that he's really been looking for since day one. And to be honest with you, I've had my doubts throughout this whole thing. This seems like a never-ending negotiation, but in the end, persistence seemed to pay off between White House negotiators and then that bipartisan group of senators who kept uh, pushing through to try uh, to to get enough votes to pass this. And 17 Republicans is not something to be um, uh, to, to thumb your nose at, including the support right now of Senate Minority Leader um, Mitch McConnell. And my colleagues uh, on our White House team reported that uh, top administration officials really worked hard to uh, try to push this over uh, the finish line. But the finish line is a little premature to say. This uh, bill uh, has a long way to go. It's next, next going to have to go to the House, where there's already a lot of opposition from progressives who feel like they've been cut out of this. And President Biden is going to have to convince uh, both moderates, like Senator Sinema, who you referred to, who doesn't support this uh, nearly $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill, and, and the progressives who really want to, to push things even further, that they will get their long list of um, uh, potential wins in that reconciliation bill that, as you said, is going to have to pass in a evenly split um, Senate. So in the end, uh, there's a, still a lot more work that has to be done. But right now, President Biden and the White House has got to be feeling pretty good, at least at this moment where things are. So, Meredith, let's go to 30,000 feet here on two different tracks. One, how big of a deal is this for President Biden, who, as you said, uh, has throughout his campaign, his time in office, has really sort of fashioned himself as someone who could reach across the aisle and get things done with Republicans. But secondly, though this is certainly a bipartisan breakthrough, and those are few and far between, those are few and far between. We're seeing a lot of tensions right now in Congress about the masks. We're seeing tension in Congress about the January 6th committee, the testimony this week. We, of course, uh, President, former President Trump sniping from the sidelines. Is this a one-time thing, you think? Or is there actually some hope that there could be some bipartisan deals uh, brokered uh, in the future? You know, senators on the Hill from, you know, that, that bipartisan group, they really think that they've accomplished something here, especially in this current uh, very toxic ecosystem that we see on Capitol Hill. And, you know, President Biden, as you said, this is something he campaigned on. He wanted to prove to the public that he was able to get legislation done across both sides of the aisle, especially after Washington, D.C. has been so very fractured and continues to be. But... Like we've said, this still has a long ways to go. Um, the celebrating might be a little premature, especially when we don't even know if Republicans in the end uh, will support this initial bill. Politico's Meredith McGraw, we are so grateful that you got up so early this morning. Thank you so much. Turning now to the coronavirus. The House is divided over reimposing mask mandates. That move to mask up comes at the recommendation of the chamber's physician, who said the people are required to wear face coverings again inside the chamber, office buildings, and in committee meetings. Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy tweeted that the return to masks is a decision, quote, conjured up by liberal government officials who want to continue to live in a perpetual pandemic state. Here's how House Speaker Nancy Pelosi responded. The mask mandate, Speaker Pelosi, any response to the backlash of the response? That's, that's the purview of the Capitol physician, the official capacity, uh, mandate from him. I have nothing to say about that except we honor it. Leader McCarthy's, 
Leader McCarthy says it's against the science. She's loading. Sounded like moron. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is blaming misinformation for low COVID vaccination rates among Americans. The Kentucky Republican told Reuters yesterday, quote, there is bad advice out there, you know. Apparently, you see that all over the place. People practicing medicine without a license, giving bad advice, and that bad advice should be ignored. McConnell plans to run 60-second radio ads on more than 100 Kentucky radio stations in the coming days, promoting the vaccine with money from his re-election campaign. Not enough people are vaccinated, McConnell said, so we're trying to get them to reconsider and get us back on the path to get us to some level of herd immunity. Fully vaccinated travelers, meanwhile, from the U.S. and the European Union will soon be allowed to visit the United Kingdom without having to quarantine. The U.K. government made the announcement yesterday, also removing quarantine requirements for fully vaccinated residents if they visit countries with less severe COVID-19 situations. But travelers will still need to take a COVID-19 test before departure and after... Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Turning to England. The measures go into effect Monday, August 2nd. And here's the latest from Tokyo. When we left you yesterday morning, the U.S. women's three-on-three basketball team had just defeated France to advance the title game. And they went on and defeated the Russian squad 18-15 to earn the first-ever Olympic gold medal in the event. Congratulations. It was also a big night in the pool for Team USA. Two-time reigning world champion Caleb Dressel swam to an Olympic record in the men's 100-meter freestyle, holding off Australia's Kyle Chalmers to take home the first individual gold medal of his career. Team USA is also celebrating a surprise victory in the inaugural men's 800-meter freestyle after Bobby Fink charged from fifth place in the final leg of the race to claim gold for the United States. China could not be caught in a record-setting women's 200-meter butterfly, but U.S. swimmers Reagan Smith and Hallie Flickner picked up the silver and bronze, respectively. And the legend, Katie Ledecky, powered the U.S. women's 4x200-meter freestyle team to silver. That relay team overtaking heavily favored Australia in the final leg to come within four-tenths of a second of the gold won by China's world record-setting time. Team USA racked up another shooting medal this morning. Kaylee Browning earned silver in women's trap after hitting 19 straight targets to reach a final 10-shot showdown against her Slovakian opponent, who won by one and set an Olympic record in the event to deny the USA a third straight shotgun gold medal at the Tokyo Games. Here's a look at the current medal count. The U.S. leads the world with 37 medals, but trails China's 14 golds by one. Meanwhile, two-time reigning world pole vault champion Sam Kendricks will not represent the United States in Tokyo after he tested positive for COVID-19. Kendricks' father confirmed the news yesterday in a since-deleted post on Instagram, writing, quote, Officials informed Sam that his daily test for COVID-19 was positive, so he's out of the competition. The U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee later corroborated with a statement saying Kendricks has been transferred to a hotel to be placed in isolation. And they added, quote, Sam is an incredible and accomplished member of Team USA, and his presence will be missed. 
It comes as Japanese officials sound the alarm after two straight days of record-breaking coronavirus cases in Tokyo, which remains under a fourth state of emergency put in place on July 12th. The city recorded an all-time high yesterday as it exceeded 3,000 new infections for the first time. Also in sports, the New York Yankees have struck a deal for Texas Rangers slugger Joey Gallo. We will have complete team coverage at 6 a.m. on Morning Joe with Joe Scarborough. Now, time for the weather. Let's go to meteorologist Bill Karens for the forecast. Bill, what do you got? Uh, we, everyone loves those baseball segments, you know, the ones that go on for like five minutes for, you know, analyzing uh, the Red Sox. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so let's get into the uh, forecast stuff first. Uh, as we go throughout the day today, these storms are going to fly. They've been in the Midwest overnight. They're still ongoing and about to roll through Chicago. Actually, they just did. And now they're going to spread throughout the Ohio Valley and eventually into the Northeast. So if you have afternoon or evening plans today, especially around Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, you're in enhanced risk of severe storms. We think you can get some strong storms with some very strong winds. We could even get some power outages out of these storms later on today. So keep that in mind. Most of these storms will be from New York City southwards, but especially the Philadelphia to D.C., Baltimore area, you're at the greatest risk. And then isolated severe storms all the way back from St. Louis to Indianapolis to Columbus. In areas like St. Louis, you'll be happy to get some rain today because it's going to be very hot. We have 52 million people under heat advisories or heat warnings all the way from the Florida Gulf Coast up to Omaha. And the Pacific Northwest has gotten a little hot too lately. We have heat advisories from Spokane all the way to Northern California. So how hot will it be? St. Louis, I think you're heading for a 100 today. You'll be close in Dallas, Atlanta 95, but that humidity will make it feel much worse in the southeast. The thunderstorms will keep it a little cooler from New York City northwards up through New England today, and we're still pretty warm in the west. How do we look this upcoming weekend? Well, so for Friday, our getaway day, not bad on the eastern seaboard. That rain clears New England pretty early. Showers and storms in the Intermountain West, and that's great. We actually need some wet weather in the areas where we're having all those fires, so we'll take that rain in Utah and Nevada and southern portions of Idaho. Saturday looks fantastic for the Mid-Atlantic and the Northeast. And then finally on Sunday, some late-day rain pushing into the Northeast and some also showers in the Southeast. But it looks like another pretty decent weekend heading our way on the East Coast. So uh, make your plans now. While D.C. police officer Michael Fanone was testifying Tuesday before the House Select Committee investigating the Capitol insurrection, a Trump supporter left a threatening voicemail laced with expletives on his phone. Fanone shared it and his reaction on CNN. Be warned, some may find this audio disturbing. Yeah, this is from Michael Fanone, Metropolitan Police Officer. You're on trial right now, lying and that. Uh, you want an Emmy, an Oscar? What are you trying to go for here? You're so full of shit, you little You're a little man. I can slap you up the side of your head with a backhand and knock you out, you little I think that uh, rhetoric being utilized by our lawmakers uh, and then also uh, the uh, entertainment media hosts is leading people to a separate set of facts in which they operate off of. And in that, you know, bizarro world, I'm a crisis actor. This is what happens when you tell the truth in Trump's America. That's an American hero. And that message is disgusting. Concern is reportedly growing within former President Trump's inner circle, meanwhile, following the special election loss of a candidate he backed in Texas. According to Politico, Susan Wright's defeat in Texas's 6th Congressional District on Tuesday sent, quote, shockwaves through Trump's inner circle. 
Earlier this month, Trump opted to support Wright over uh, the eventual winner of the all-Republican election, Navy veteran Jake Elysee. The former president's advisors are now reportedly feeling even more pressure to win another special election in Ohio next week. Trump released a statement praising his preferred candidate, lobbyist Mike Carey, on Tuesday. The pro-Trump Make America Great Again PAC also reportedly made a last-minute decision this week to spend $300,000 to bolster Carey's efforts. Trump advisors worry, according to Politico, that a second loss would raise questions about the power of his endorsement and could hurt his standing in the GOP. Meanwhile, a new report claims the former president called his acting attorney general on an almost daily basis late last year to notify him of alleged voter fraud. A person familiar with the conversations tells The Washington Post that Trump was, quote, absolutely obsessed in his phone calls to then acting AG Jeffrey Rosen. Rosen, who was installed after former AG William Barr stepped down in December, was reportedly noncommittal about Trump's claims and tried repeatedly to change the subject. On Monday, the Justice Department reportedly ordered Rosen to provide any information he may have regarding attempts to overturn the 2020 election. According to the Post, the former president's legal team is considering filing a motion to block those records from becoming public. A new executive order looks to combat the rising number of cyber attacks targeting America's critical infrastructure. President Biden signed the order yesterday, just one day after warning that the attacks could lead to a, quote, real shooting war. The order includes measures requiring companies to meet a set of security standards, like encrypting data and requiring two-factor authentication. But the White House is limited in what action it can take, with so much of America's infrastructure run by private companies. President Joe Biden today is expected to mandate all civilian federal employees to be vaccinated or else submit to strict COVID-19 testing measures. Under the expected new policy, officials say those who do not show proof of vaccination will have to submit to regular testing, social distancing, and masking requirements. White House officials say the administration is still reviewing the specific details of the policy, which the president is expected to announce in a speech from the White House. The latest effort to reverse a surge in cases in the United States is causing confusion after the CDC reissued mask guidelines for regions of the country where the virus is spreading rapidly. NBC News national correspondent Miguel Amelgar explains. Mask confusion as the United States stands divided over changing guidelines just hours after the CDC released this blotted map saying all Americans should wear masks indoors where COVID spread is substantial or high. Nebraska's governor argued the guidance flies in the face of public health goals. At least nine states already have restrictions on mask mandates. It's frustrating. It's confusing. They're sending mixed messages constantly. As Americans Americans and elected leaders struggle to find common ground over simple health measures. Which is it? Vaccines or masks? The vaccines work or they don't work? Those announcing the change defending their decision to control the spread after telling the vaccinated two months ago they would no longer need masks. Something has changed and what has changed is the virus. The Delta variant is driving COVID clusters in every state. The attorney general in Missouri says he'll sue to overturn Kansas City's adoption of the new CDC guidelines, just as hospitals and hotspots nationwide are on the brink of crisis again. We are full, 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 and it's scary. As major employers like Google and Facebook announced vaccine requirements for those returning to the office, New York City says they'll soon pay people $100 to get vaccinated. 
If we get people vaccinated who are not yet vaccinated, if we mask in the interim, we can halt this in just a matter of a couple of weeks. But despite the plea, 100 million Americans have yet to be inoculated. Washington's football team only recently hit the 50 percent vaccination rate. I'm beyond frustrated. The reason I walked in with the mask on is, you know, I'm I'm immune deficient. There is no sign our nation will return to a 2020 style lockdown. But as the Delta variant surges, far too many families will face last year's heartbreak. It should be noted that Washington football team's head coach, Ron Rivera, cancer survivor, which is why he is pressing his teammates, among many other reasons, to get the vaccine, protect him. Joining us now, president and CEO of the Biotechnology Innovation Organization, Dr. Michelle McMurray Heath. Doctor, good morning. Thank you so very much for being here. Uh, So as we just saw, mass mandates are back and there is a push now for vaccination mandates. Your organization believes the most important thing for mandating vaccination is the full FDA approval of the vaccines. Right now, still this emergency youth authorization. Why does that matter so much uh, when it's not a legal requirement? And what are you what have you picked up about the timetable? When should we expect this full Mm -hmm. approval? Well, we're hoping it's incredibly soon. Um, as you as you heard in your segment, people are frustrated, people are confused, and it's not surprising. You know, bacteria and viruses are the only diseases that when we fight them, they fight back. And that means we have to be armed to the teeth with every armament at our disposal. And that means a vaccine that is fully approved by the Food and Drug Administration. To date, 163 million Americans have been fully vaccinated. If the FDA doesn't have enough data at this point to fully approve the vaccine, they need to step forward and explain why not. This approval is so important because without the full approval, it hampers efforts to mandate the vaccine. And every unvaccinated individual in this country is a potential reservoir for the virus to expand and change and get more aggressive. For so many Americans, the CDC's announcement a few months ago that we could remove our masks uh, if you were vaccinated uh, was such a a big moment. It was such a almost a a joyful moment where people said, we can kind of go back to normal now. And and I think a lot of people are having a hard time adjusting the idea that, hey, you've got to put them back on at least some of the time uh, when you're inside or in crowds or whatever it might be. So what do you think? What can the medical community, people like yourself, do to persuade Americans? that, hey, like this isn't over yet. You still have to wear these masks. You still need this protection for you and others, even though it just comes after this period where everyone was starting to feel a little bit more normal. Right. Well, you know, I remember when I got my second dose of vaccine at Howard University here in Washington, D.C., they they announced to the room, welcome to the free world, because there was this promise that as we got this great technology, we'd be able to return to normal. But that was that was predicated on the fact that all Americans would pitch in and get the vaccine and that we'd get them out to every corner of the globe. And to date, we are not quite there yet. Um, The biotechnology innovation organization companies are on target to produce 11 billion doses of the vaccine by the end of this calendar year so that we can get more people around the world vaccinated. But as we see hotspots like India, those become breeding grounds for more aggressive strains of of the virus. And so that's what we're facing today. And for Americans who do have access, when there are people around the world crying out for access to these vaccines, to not take advantage of this amazing breakthrough in biotechnology is, is really 
a shame. And we need our federal officials like the Food and Drug Administration to really step forward and rubber stamp that this is a safe and effective vaccine. And it only becomes less so every day that they wait and every American that refuses to take it. One more quick one for you. There's been some data that suggests in the last few days, those hotspots in the United States where cases are surging and where previously the vaccination rate had been very low, there has been an uptick in the last week or so. There's a greater number of people getting the vaccines. Do you think that's a direct cause? People are certainly looking around them and seeing people are getting sick or they're afraid or they're seeing people with masks back on. How much, what do you think is going on there and how much hope do you draw from it? Well, it was sadly entirely predictable. We know that when you have pockets where you have very low vaccination rates, the virus can spread and spread easily. And each and every time it spreads, each and every individual it impacts, you expand the potential for it to change. And that's what we were hoping to stop. We were hoping to stop the virus's ability to mutate and evolve into something that is even more um, more deadly or more transmissible as, as we are seeing with the Delta virus. So it's so critical for absolutely everyone to get fully vaccinated um, and for us to follow our local public health guidelines, because this is really a completely local phenomenon. Every locality has a different rate of transmission right now and a different level of vaccination. Dr. Michelle McMurray-Heath, thank you so much. for Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Getting up so early this morning. In a push to accomplish a crucial legislative item before the August recess, Senate Democrats are working on a revised voting rights bill they hope to release as soon as this week. The Washington Post reports there was a meeting in Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's office yesterday of several senators who have continued to work on the issue since Republicans blocked consideration last month of a more sweeping bill known as the For the People Act. Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock, who said he asked Leader Schumer to call the meeting, emerged from it, saying he wants the American people to understand voting rights on the Senate's radar, and they're, quote, committed to getting some progress. The meeting also included Senators Alex Padilla of California, Oregon's Jeff Merkley, Minnesota's Amy Klobuchar, and, of course, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, who last month released a three-page framework that's, that scaled back some of the more expansive provisions of the bill that failed. Joining us now, co-founder of Punchbowl News, Anna Palmer. She is an MSNBC contributor. We are grateful that she's up this early. Uh, Anna, with Senator Joe Manchin helping craft that new bill, this voting rights bill, do we, in his moderate bona fides, or well-known, uh, is there a chance of getting any Republicans, even one or two, on board in the Senate for something like this? I think it's going to be really difficult. This bill is important for Democrats because there's been such pent up frustration among activists. But I, there's so little uh, support among Republicans in the Senate for any kind of voting rights legislation. I do think it's important to note that you have Raphael Warnock, the senator from Georgia, pushing, continuing these conversations, not just with Democrats, but Republicans. But the, all those photos you just put up, that is a negotiation among Democrats to try to get them on the same page, let alone try to actually figure out if there's going to be any votes in the Senate on the Republican side. 
And very few reporters have covered uh, as closely the ins and outs of this infrastructure drama uh, as you. So tell us where we are now. What should we expect? Uh, there was a lot of celebration, obviously, yesterday. What sort of timetable are we looking at? And in particular on the Republicans, you know, a number of them uh, ended up siding to, to, to advance this yesterday. Uh, but we're hearing, obviously, uh, sharp criticism from former President Trump on the bill. Do we think that these Republicans will be able to uh, resist caving in to the pressure applied by someone who still enjoys remarkable popularity uh, among their voters? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a pretty stunning vote. 67 uh, senators voted for this infrastructure package, a larger number than a lot of folks thought, myself included, the fact that you had Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell actually sign on at the end. And other Republicans like Thune, who voted against this procedural measure, kept it open that he might in the end actually support a final package. Uh, To your point, this is major, but it is a first step. So the devil is really in the details. While a week ago, a lot of Republicans said, no, we can't vote for this because we don't have bill text. Well, hey, we still don't have bill text. So the bill text needs to happen. There's going to be amendments. Uh, And this is really far, even in terms of the the, the fact of what's going to happen with the House. So I think as much as this is moving the process forward, it is a key win for the president. It is really one step in a multi-step process that's going to go well into the fall. Uh, the Senate. Uh, one more for you real quick. Uh, Senator Cinema, we said earlier in the show, uh, she expressed some reservations about the reconciliation bill, or at least the size of it. But there was a lot of back and forth as to people of different interpretation of her comments. Is she for reconciliation? Is she not for it? How much is she willing to do? You know, you know is she going to submarine the whole thing? And if reconciliation falls apart, does that mean the bipartisan deal could too? What is your analysis of her comments? Where do things stand on that much bigger reconciliation bill that's going to precede Democrats alone? Yeah, listen, I think she has been skeptical of the size of the reconciliation bill for quite a while. That's not necessarily new. I think she is trying to push Democrats to make this smaller, to make it more focused. It's not as if she said, hey, we're we're never going to support this. So I think this is part of the process. We see Joe Manchin do this a lot uh, on the moderate side, trying to kind of push his colleagues to a little bit more to the center. But to your point, and I think it's a very smart one, is this reconciliation package, particularly in the House, Nancy Pelosi has drawn a line to say, we're not going to take up the hard infrastructure package without reconciliation. But this dual track process is very important. And Chuck Schumer is certainly going to be paying attention to where Kirsten Cinema ends up on the final details of the size as well as scope of this reconciliation package. Anna Palmer of Punchbowl News, thank you so very much. That was terrific. Earlier in the show, we asked the immortal question, why are you awake? Kevin writes, I'm up way too early because little Sophia wanted to party all night long again. I don't know. She's sleeping peacefully there. Jules tweeted this, up way too early with severe thunderstorms in suburban Chicago. The dog is afraid of the thunder. I will note that my six-year-old is as well. And Sophie tweets, I am up way too early to share this picture of my grandson Wesley sleeping confidently since he just accomplished turning one and a half years old. Look at that pose. I have never been that relaxed or that confident or that well-rested at any point in my life. Not a boy, Wesley. You've already won. And Jean emails because Miss Daisy, a 1,600-pound draft horse, decided 10 acres wasn't enough and got out again. At least she'd made friends with the Lakeville Police. Congratulations to the Lakeville Police Department for bringing home Daisy safe and sound. Daisy, next time, sounds like you've got enough room. Just stay put. 
Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.